It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Thursday. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, the irreverent John Riley, <laughs> broadcasting from Left Field. We're in our studios in San Diego. We welcome you to our Thursday broadcast, our podcast. We have an absolute ton of topics on the table. At the end of the podcast, we will open it up for you to join us in fans forum. John for all the people new on the live stream, tell them how they can express an opinion, ask a question, get answers. How does Fans Forum work? Because we're starting to really build a following at the end of each show. Yeah, so the way you can get involved is if you've got a question, a comment for Hacksaw, type it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll see it here on our screen. We'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And we also invite you to subscribe, be part of the more than 2,000. We busted through the barrier. We got 2,000 subscribers before we got to July 4th. Now the question, can we push this sucker up the hill? Can we get this thing to 2,500? I'd use the phrase, here's what's going on in the world of sports. Here's what Lee Hamilton thinks. Damn it. (laughs) You didn't do this. You did not do this, San Diego Padres. You did not lose three in a row to Pittsburgh after losing back-to-back home games to Washington. You did not do this. This is deplorable. We're going to say some things here that will probably upset a few people, but these are things that have to be said. Have the Padres quit on their manager? Has the manager lost the team? Where the hell is the general manager during the most rotten period of Padre baseball we have seen in a long period of time? And how much more will this owner take before he steps front and center and starts to hold somebody accountable. The Padres lose their third in a row in Pittsburgh. Relief pitcher Tim Hill makes another critical error. Three errors, two games he's pitched in this week, he's lost. Strictly on him. Team is not hitting. You can hold all the closed-door clubhouse meetings you want. You can say all the things about fight, tenacity, confidence, embarrassment, it has to equate to a win on the field has not happened. And at the end of the broadcast, I'd never heard this nor seen this before. Don Orsillo, the very popular TV voice, said this is the bottom. This is the lowest it's ever been. Somebody finally who works for the Padres spoke the truth because virtually nobody who, quote, is in the media in this town that covers this franchise is willing to speak out about where it is. Underachievers, have they quit? Has the manager lost them? Please tell me where the general manager is with his team in a tailspin from which there seems to be no end. John? <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, what a just a, a just an embarrassment today. That play by Tim Hill when he grabbed the ball, he should have let it go. You know, should have let it go rather than trying to pick it up and force the throw. It almost looked like he intentionally threw it away. I can't believe he would have actually done that. But uh, yeah, this is just disgusting. Uh, 
I mean, this is just, it's comical. It's gotten, it becomes so absurd of how this team is playing. You know, I saw some, uh, you know, chatter online, you know, granted it's social media, but some people are saying maybe Juan Soto and Bob Melvin might be a little friction there because, you know, Juan Soto wants to bat in one of those RBI positions and uh, those two aren't getting along. So I, you know, I don't know what to believe, but there's got to be some kind of a chemistry thing going on. Well, I think there is. And I think some of it's got to do with, as we alluded to on our Monday bonus podcast, I think there's friction upstairs between Preller, Preller's people, and that manager. I The manager has never figured out a batting order that's ever gotten hot. I think that's a big issue. And I think the biggest issue of all, and we were all excited, everybody in our community bought in. That's why they're selling out every home game and why they're averaging over 40,000 per game second best in baseball because of who they acquired and the standards those guys had as major leaguers. And at this point in time, now we have to look at it from a very, very different angle. The Padres are paralyzed because of what A.J. Preller did and what Peter Seidler allowed him to do. The Padres paid all their budget to four guys. The rest of the roster are made up of, quote, utility guys. Dudes hitting under 220. And then, to complicate it, the Fab Four, outside of Tatis, are not playing anywhere near what their standard levels are. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a combination. This is a formula for disaster, and that's why they are where they are right now, almost out of the playoff race, without a lot of ways to change any of the parts. Nobody is going to take any of those contracts, and if you wanted to move Juan Soto. Do you think you could get five for one for Juan Soto now? No. Like you paid to get Juan Soto out of Washington? Absolutely not. Cronenworth has marginal value. Grisham is just a guy making a lot of money. Who's going to trade for a guy making a lot of money? Not much productivity behind home plate. Bogarts looks old. Machado looks lost. Soto is hitting balls on the nose, but he's hitting them at people. And Tatis is... Having to do it all by himself. And your general manager has gone underground. The guy that is the architect, the guy that gave out all these contracts, the guy that made all the trades, A.J. Preller is somewhere out there scouting for his next shortstop or his next catcher. <laughs> uh, to me, the, the ship looks leaderless. And that may be unfair to say because I think Melvin's tried to do as much as he can do. But they have problems at every layer there is right now. How much longer is this going to be allowed to go on at Petco Park? Either general manager needs to step up and make statements and explain his perspective of why this happens, or owner needs to step up and indicate whether or not there will be accountability because of the way this thing is going. Well, I think the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, came out public criticizing his team. So, yeah, you're right. It, it is a bit rudderless. You'd like to see Seidler or Preller make a statement here just to show leadership. They don't necessarily need to throw certain guys under the bus, but they need to show that commitment to winning. Um, I, I just can't figure this out. I mean, even Bob Melvin in the postgame pressers, he just looks bewildered by it all. And he says, you know, we're just not playing fundamental baseball. We've got to go on a big time winning streak in the second half. He goes, but really, we just need to win one game. And we can't even do that. I mean, the numbers are horrific where they are sub 500. 
where they are in one-run games, where they are in extra inning games, where they are 18-22 and 22 against sub-500 teams. They've lost 22 games to the worst teams in baseball with that Fab Four lineup and all the money they're being paid and all the frontline pitching they're getting and what was gold glove defense. They've lost 22 games to the Pirates and the Royals and the Rockies of the world. you got to bleep and be kidding me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and then you look around the league and you see, you know, like that kid, the young kid that's playing for the Reds is lighting it up. There's all this energy in Cincinnati. I saw that they stole home, I think, with the Royals in one of the games recently. Where's that energy with the Padres? It just seems like they just go through the motions. You know, they're they're swinging and, you know, I see Tatis swinging at balls on the outside half of the plate and grounding into double plays to shortstop. I mean, where is that you know, that will to win. It just doesn't seem to be there. They're deflated. Their analytic guys in the other dugout are beating these analytic guys in the Padre dugout. I mean, look at how they've pitched to Soto, Machado, Tatis, Grisham. Have you ever seen so many guys strike out or take third strikes as we have seen in the last couple of months? Mm -hmm. We're in Padre brown and gold. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. And obviously, they want to use the walk as a strategic part of their game. And they're, they're getting a lot of walks. I think you said they were leading the league. Yes. Juan Soto, of course. But it just doesn't seem like they're able to counter. You know, like they always throw down and away to Machado. They always throw high and tight to Tatis. But they've never been able to kind of solve that. And apparently, Bob Melvin and Juan Soto said when they came to San Diego— they noticed that the advanced scouting was not nearly as good as where they came from. So it looks like maybe our analytics guys, our scouts are not giving them the right kind of intelligence going into a series in Pittsburgh on what to look for and how to overcome those pitchers. You want to do this podcast with me even from left field. So here come the questions. <laughs> okay. Do you think the players have quit on Melvin? I'm starting to wonder that, especially after seeing the um, the comments that I had heard about Soto and the friction with Melvin. That's possible. But, I, you know, in the beginning, there was so much respect. You know, you see those pictures of, you know, Machado and, you know, and getting together with Bob Melvin. But now I'm kind of wondering. I'm not sure. Do you think Melvin's lost the clubhouse? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I can't say for sure. I'm not back there, but there just doesn't seem to be any energy or any enthusiasm. Makes me wonder if everyone's kind of got a separate agenda. Is there a persona? I got my money. Did you get yours? Yeah, that's what we're always wondering that, you know, and they got paid. But you think that they would have a certain level of pride, you know, that they'd want to prove that they are worth it because they don't want to, you know, look like a deadbeat that's just leeching off of a rich owner. They want to show that they're worth it, that they've got the skills and talent, that they're Hall of Famers that deserve these big contracts. So it's easy to suspect that, you know, they're a bunch of overpaid guys that are just, you know, being lazy. But I think they've got to figure out a way just to look within themselves to get this going. They can't give up. Does a general manager have a responsibility to come out of the shadows and stand up and defend or describe what's happened to the team that he put on the field? 100% yes. Yeah, I think this is where leadership needs to be. I think you can have a little bit of good cop, bad cop, you know, where, uh, you know, one person could be a little bit of the heavy. And if that needs to be from Preller or Seidler, I think there's a way they can do it in a in a professional way, but in a way that 
has the appearance of looking like there's there's leadership up in the front office. Bottom line, where's the damn leadership on this team? Because mm-hmm. I don't see it anywhere in San Diego. That is our opinion. They're not the only ones that got problems in Major League Baseball. John, next topic. Yeah, so the Dodgers, they're, they've got a bit of a challenge as well. It's nowhere near as bad as San Diego, but... L.A. is now in third place. Well, the Dodgers are scuffling because of injuries. Injuries are never an excuse, but they are an explanation. Now they're worried. They're quietly worried. Something's happened to Clayton Kershaw, and he's been dominant. You know, he's had this history of back problems three years in a row. He came off the mound after six near-perfect innings the other night and said he wasn't right and he could not throw the ball anymore. Everybody is fearful that this is a reflare of the back issues. On the morning, this morning, they said, no, it's not his back, but they wouldn't detail anything else. So he may have something going on with his shoulder. But if you don't have him and you already don't have Bueller and you're not getting Dustin May back and Urias has not come back yet and has had this long extended stay with hamstring and your disaster most nights is horrible in the bullpen, I mean, bullpen's been responsible for 16 losses in the last month. Wow. They got an issue. Big issue with the pitchers because now they're starting to run out of arms. And on top of that, we talked extensively about the kids. Uh, That young second baseman, Miguel Vargas, came flying out of spring training and said, wow, Miguel Vargas is two for 44 in the last two and a half weeks. (laughs) Sit down. James Outman. Really good spring. Hit with power to start the season. Had nine bombs in a month. Mm-hmm. Hitting a buck 85 since that point in time. So the, they're springing leaks in a lot of different places. Big challenge. If you're losing all your guys, how are you going to compete the second half of the season? So a lot of questions that they're hoping to get answers for going forward. Yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously with the pitching, they can only do what they can do. But look at those hitters. I mean, again, this we talked about this with the Padres as well. When they changed the major league rules, you know, to banning the shift, making the bases bigger, we thought there's going to be a lot more runs. There's going to be a lot more action on the on the field. There's going to be more balls in play. And yet, for a lot of players in Major League Baseball, their numbers are way down. I mean, the Padres are the poster child for that. But there's a lot of other big-time players that are really struggling this year. Dodgers got issues. We'll see what the next two weeks bring as they march towards the All-Star break. Third team here in Southern California. Okay, yeah. Got to talk about Shohei Otani. I mean, that guy is just unbelievable what he's doing right now. Time for Showtime to be taken care of. Time for that owner, Artie Moreno to step up after saying he wanted to keep the franchise, he believed in the franchise, was not going to sell the franchise. It's time for him to make Otani the record offer the guy deserves. My number is five years, $50 million per season, which would be all-time high, 250 total. I wouldn't go beyond that because he's a pitcher. We know the propensity of pitchers to break down. He's already had one elbow surgery. But you can't deny how spectacular that guy is. 309 batting average, 28 bombs, 64 ribbies as a DH, and he also does some of that while he's pitching. 659 slugging percentage, OPS, 1,048. And by the way, 9-3 record, 3.02 ERA. Now, the reason I think Moreno should do this, A, for Moreno's credibility, and B, to find out where Otani is mentally. 
Hmm. Do you like wearing our colors? Do you like this community? If so, here's the state-of-the-art contract. Tell me you'll accept it. Do it now. You got a month before the trade deadline. If he does not want to sign it, if he does not respond to what I think is a significant investment, trade him. Trade him five for one. Trade him somewhere for all the farm system talent you can get. Because if you don't come November 1, he walks and all you get is one comp draft pick. It's not my money, I understand, but I got opinions on everything. <laughs> yeah, you do. I've been a strong supporter of Artie Moreno through some good and a lot of bad. Time for him as an owner to step up and reward somebody who really deserves it. Not some guy that's had a history of injury. Not some guy that has a history of drug abuse. Not some guy who's underachieved. This guy has earned it. And then you find out whether or not he'll accept it, wants to stay, and then you go on. And if he doesn't, then you can put him on the trading block and you trade him to the Dodgers and take every farm system star they have, or maybe the Yankees or whomever, Mm -hmm. uh, and then just start the restock. I know that's a really tough beach point, beach head, Mm -hmm. but why not? Agree or disagree? Oh, I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's almost like, you know, calling a bluff. I mean, you're putting the offer on the table and you're being credible. You know, you're taking this guy seriously, giving him what he rightfully deserves. Sometimes I, though, wonder, I mean, you look at what the Padres have done with all these long-term contracts and guys not performing. I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of hesitancy on other owners to sign guys long-term. Now, your proposal is only five years. It's not like it's 14 years for Tatis. Uh, But I, I like that idea, you know. Moreno, you know, let's rebuild or let's keep building the Angels. Let's make an offer to the best player in the world to stay here. And then Otani can react one way or the other. And then if he doesn't want to stay, then the Angels can make some different decisions. Okay, so those are the questions we're going to ask you on the live stream to respond to on fans forum. Excuse me if we sound pissed off, but we are pissed (laughs) off. We want you. Have the Padres quit? Is the manager failing? Where the hell is the general manager? Dodgers, can they survive all these injuries? And agree or disagree, Angel fan, about my proposal to deal with Otani now. It gives you a month to come up with an answer. Agree or disagree. John, tell people about Fans Forum. Tell people about subscribing. Okay, so yeah, Fans Forum, you can get involved. If you got a hot take, a question for Hacksaw, just drop it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you on the screen and involved in the Fans Forum. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube and all the audio-only platforms. And reminder, if you like sports, have you checked my website? It's right there, the address right at the top. If you've not checked the website, what the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) Tremendous written content. I don't care whether you agree or disagree with me, but you'll enjoy it. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Best 15 minutes in sports radio. Hacksaw's headlines. One man's opinion column. And you are invited to express opinions in our fans' forum and our mini-polls. And I also want you to share. Tell everybody what we're doing. And by the way, congratulations to you. Because of you, we've been able to bust through the 2,000 barrier on subscribers. And what we're doing on Instagram, 
Ah. is obscene (laughs) in terms of the amount of numbers that are sampling our Instagram vertical video. So lots of different ways to reach us. But then again, circle back. Join us right at the end on our fans forum with a comment. Okay, we got other topics on the table to talk about. Do you sleep at night? I mean, not very much. You're writing on your website. You've got the podcast. You're doing (laughs) television in San Diego. You're a frequent guest on uh, radio TV podcast. I mean, you're telling me you were with JT the Brick today. I mean, do you sleep at night? My wife has this common phrase because, yes, I do work a lot. <laughs> There's counseling for this. Did you know that? There's counseling for this. On we go. Next topic on the table. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Coach Prime. You know, yeah. big expectations in Colorado, but he's got some difficulties. Yeah, this is a, this is a scary story, uh, and he's trying to take care of it. Uh, Deion Sanders takes over Colorado. Great expectations. They've sold out Folsom Field in Boulder. Season tickets are sold out. It's going to be a tremendous year, but there's going to be a challenge, obviously, because he's trying to rebuild a program that was 1-11, didn't do very well. He's got health issues. When he was at Jackson State, he had blood circulation problems with a foot. They had to amputate two toes. Since he's gotten to Boulder... The complications with blood flow have increased. Uh, They've had to go in and do another surgery on his left leg because of a blood clot. That's really scary. Now they've found after they did that surgery, there's a blood clot in the right leg. And he's facing another surgery probably within the next couple of weeks before their preseason camp opens. Blood clots are really scary because not only are they positioned in your leg, they could move, and they could move to your heart, and that could be fatal. Uh, doctors have said we're not going to amputate his foot or his leg, but he's got another blood clot in the other leg that needs to be taken care of. So he's doing everything from a protocol standpoint that he can do. Yeah, I mean, that's really sad. I mean, this is a tremendous athlete back in his prime when Coach Prime was the prime, prime time. Uh, sad story. I mean, but there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with blood clots and COVID. You hear all these stories. Just I kind of wonder what caused this for him, or has this been a recurring problem for a long time, or is it recent? I, I, it started at Jackson State. When he was coaching there, that's where they amputated the first two toes. He's got problems with two more toes in that left foot. And that's why they went in and did this blood clot surgery in the left leg to maybe save those two toes. And all of a sudden, there's a blood clot in the right leg. So it's a it's a real scary story. I don't know if this is diabetic related, whether this is hereditary. Mm. Uh, and that could well be. But uh, they're dealing they're using as much modern medicine as they can for Deion Sanders to get to the start of the season. On we go. Let's talk NFL. Uh, yeah. Love talking NFL with Axaw. A lot of going on with these free agents. And hey, we got a lot of free agents that are still unsigned. Uh, all camps will start to kick in about July 17th. Chargers start on the 18th with the rookies. The 25th, everybody comes in. Rams, everybody shows up on July 25th. Last two weeks of July, that's when camps kick into gear. Let's talk about some of the names that are listed here. DeAndre Hopkins has not found a team to sign him yet. Uh, It's a salary cap issue. Nobody's got the kind of money that he's asking. He's asking for something like $15 I don't think he's going to get that. He might get 10 with incentives if he has a spectacular season. New England has met with him twice, but they don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, The latest is Carolina. The Carolina Panthers, who have a ton of cap space and are looking for named veterans to come in to complement the kid quarterbacks, 
might might wind up getting him, but that doesn't put him in a place to go play in a Super Bowl. So I don't know whether he waits a little bit longer or whether or not he dives in, because anywhere he goes now, he's walking into a brand new playbook, and that takes time to get acclimated to. So DeAndre Hopkins, I think, within this next week, uh, is, is probably going to wind up making a commitment somewhere. I heard New England was back in the mix again. But again, maybe, maybe the lure of playing for Belichick's got something to do with it. But he's not going to get $15 million a year in New England because Belichick historically just doesn't put money value on players. He likes the guys, but he's not going to overpay them. Unless it's an old guy in a one-year rental or the Randy Moss of the world, it's not going to happen. So you got that situation. Dalvin Cook has had a great career in Minnesota. He's out on the street right now as a free agent. He's been offered a contract in Miami. He's been offered a contract by the New York Jets. Problem is, he made 10.6 mil in Minnesota. They cut him loose. Uh, He's had two surgeries, but yet he's still been really productive. I was told anywhere he goes, he's got to take a pay cut to six. People are not paying running backs. Outside of Christian McCaffrey's a unique exception, are just not paying running backs mega, mega money. So the question is, where does Dalvin Cook wind up? I think probably Miami. Uh, two very unhappy running backs. Uh, Josh Jacobs Raiders is now talking about sitting out the start of the season. This would be catastrophic to Jeez. Las Vegas. <laughs> He's a franchise tag running back that gets him $10 million, but it gives him no security against injuries, no contract down road, no signing bonus. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. Uh, Jacobs has had one spectacular year. Barkley's had a couple of good years sandwiched around major reconstructive knee surgery, but he, the guy showed coming back from the surgery how good he could be. Barkley's talking about, I'll sit the whole season. And I think that's a stupid statement because why do you want to set up these barriers and create all this animosity in New York? You think there's a few Giant fans in New York? Holy <laughs> <Yeah>. cow. <laughs> why would you create that animosity? And secondly, dummy, if you sit out a year, that free agent year you were, had to play out, tolls to the next season. They'd still own your rights for next season. Oh, and they geez. could still franchise tag you. The last idiot that did this was Le'Veon Bell, who mm. had good years in Pittsburgh and got involved in a contract dispute, sat out, moved on, went to the Jets, moved to other places, never, ever, ever the same running back. He's out of football. So don't start talking about, I'll hold out. Don't screw yourself. Get the deal done. And if, if they're saying 10 mil is it, you have to bet on yourself. Take the 10 mil and you put it into the contract. You can't franchise tag me next year. Mm-hmm. Now there's risk. You play on the 10 mil and get hurt. <clears throat> your bargaining power goes away. There has to be some middle ground here. Jacob's storyline with the Raiders is different. He didn't play well early. Had an unbelievable season last year. But he's a one-year wonder. And you're going to commit three years? I, I wouldn't go farther than three for any of these running backs just because of the injury factor. You know, and don't say something stupid. I'm going to sit out the year because that doesn't help you. It surely kills the team. And I'll guarantee you, it's going to turn the community against you. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's we talk about how a contract is a contract, right? And so you got to fulfill that deal. Granted, yeah, you want leverage. You want to negotiate. Um but imagine if the Raiders don't have Jacobs and then they don't have Garoppolo either, right? Because Well, we think he'll be there sometime before the start of the season, but he has a history of getting hurt. And, you know, they ran Derek Carr out of there. You know, so the Raiders are going to be left with 
Devontae Adams against the world. That that's the extent of their offense. <laughs> yeah. They traded Darren Waller the tight end away. Raiders Raiders have just got a real set of problems with how they've conducted their business with their veteran players. So what about DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, if you were to look at all the wide receivers in the league, do you think he's a top ten receiver? I think he's somewhere between five and ten. Mm-hmm. Now he had three straight hundred catch seasons. I mean, he really played well in Houston, but then he got dinged. Last two years, I think he's had 42 and 64 receptions in Arizona. Let him walk and took a cap hit. That's what Arizona thought of, and they wanted to get away from him. Um, Could he play? Sure. But not. he's not a $15 million wide receiver anymore. If you were coming off a 100-catch season with 12 touchdowns and 19 yards per catch, yeah, you could say 15 mil. But right now, no. And he's, you know, he's just about to go the other side of 30. Mm. So I, I think the contract request is crazy. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see where he goes. Everybody, you know, everybody could say, geez, I'd love to play with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But the reality is Kansas City Buffalo, whom he mentioned, don't have any cap space. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's where we are with him. Okay, let's move on. We got We got from baseball to NFL football, and we just crossed the threshold of the NBA draft and dead ahead this weekend, here comes NBA free agency. Yeah, the NBA. I mean, there's just a lot going on here with the finals that just finished. Um, what are you hearing from Lakers camp and Clippers camp? I don't know what Laker fan temperature is right now because their general manager, Rob Polinka just announced we're coming out of the draft. We're keeping the core together. We're going to bring this team back because we finished so upbeat. You know, that they, they came within one series of going to the NBA Finals yeah. before Denver flicked them off. But they're going to keep this team together. They've also announced because the third and fourth guy in that lineup, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, are both restricted free agents. So they've made them the first offer, which means they can match any offer they get from anybody else. Now, effective on Friday, these guys can go on the open market and, and sign an offer sheet somewhere else. But the Lakers can match the offer sheet. But the Lakers are not going to make any other deals. There's not going to be any trade from the outside because they spent a lot of their bargaining chips right at the deadline when they kind of changed the chemistry of the roster. And they got they got good. And they had the, the great rush to the postseason. But I just don't know that they have enough quality content around LeBron James and Anthony Davis because they'll come back a year older. They still come back because a lot of history of injury here. And if they're out of the lineup for long chunks of time, do you have enough on that roster that's going to make you a really, really good team? But that's what Rob Polinka's MO is right now. We're keeping the core together, the bench guys and all that. Only time tells. The Clippers situation, It's I don't think this thing is done yet. They just released Eric Gordon, who was one of the components of the deadline day trade. Eric Gordon had a cap number 21 mil. This is strictly a cap move. They push him out. They've still got major problems. There's so much over the salary cap. They have a luxury tax payment that's maybe the most in NBA history. They're going to have to move another player or two. They're trying to create money so they can re-sign Russell Westbrook. But they're not going to give him $36 million. He's going to have to come to the rationale. I'm headed to the twilight of my career. I played well here, but I'm not going to get $36 mil. So they got all kinds of issues. They got three forwards that they're trying to move in separate deals to get cap space. They got shut out of Chris Paul, who wound up going to Golden State. 
Uh, I don't know that they can make any other deals unless there are teams willing to take on Nick Batum and Marcus Morris and a few of the other bench guys just to give them cap relief. So that remains to be seen. That's where we are. Free agency kicks in. James Harden, I was told, is going to pick up the option to stay in Philadelphia at 36-6 for the final year. But part of that deal is he will then be traded to Houston. He agreed to sign in Philly to help them be able to make a trade to get something back from the Houston Rockets. So I would think in the next week, James Harden will be in Houston. And Kyrie Irving, (laughs) this story just never ends. Now, he's a walk-free agent. There were all kinds of deals that Dallas tried to make to get other players in to put around him and Luka Doncic. I was told Kyrie Irving, Saturday, as a free agent, still unsigned in Dallas, is going to visit the Phoenix Suns. That could be part of a sign-and-trade deal for their center, DeAndre Ayton, who I think they'd like to move and move the big money that he's getting. There'll be other pieces that would have to go into this, but that would that would be the fourth star to go to Phoenix if it is some type of sign-and-trade when Aiton and others are going to the Dallas Mavericks. There's a lot of moving parts in, in the NBA right now. Well, it, it, makes it, it shows you, again, how hard it is to build a roster that can be a championship-level team that can compete. And that applies to every sport on the book. It's hard. I mean, for the Lakers, I mean, they've got all these, you know, star players, and they're just not making it happen. I mean, did you see the, um, there's a documentary, I think is it a new uh, ESPN 30 on 30 about Bill Walton mm-hmm. and, and the Trailblazers when he was there. And Jack Ramsey kind of got this group of guys together in camp and realized that they had something really special, you know? So it kind of goes to show you, you can get all the individual stars, but if they don't really function as a team, then you're, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. The Bobby Grosses of the world and all those guys, Kiki Van Andaway, all those guys were a part of Rip City, Portland. Mm-hmm. But that was a unique time. That was before the money became monstrous. That was before the luxury tax and the salary cap. We got two problems now in pro basketball, John. The players are running the league, and the salary cap is running the front office. Mm. It's, I mean, you're correct. That The first statement came out of your mouth from LaField is correct. <laughs> uh, it's really hard yeah. to build a winner with the cap, with the monster money, and obviously with attitude and ego, etc. Yeah. Okay, from basketball, let's talk puck. I'm talking puck. I mean, this is a big weekend for uh, for puck. I mean, the big draft and all these deals going down. Well, the LA Kings fired the first shot before the draft ever started. They made this monstrous trade with Winnipeg, a four-for-one deal. And I will tell you, that guy, Rob Blake, the general manager, the former star defenseman, tell you, he's got brass. He is not afraid to make transactions. He got Pierre-Luc Dubois, big, burly center iceman, scored 27 goals last season, plays really well. He was a pending year-away free agent. Winnipeg couldn't re-sign him, eating small market. Winnipeg trades him for four for one. Three players, three of the young Kings players, plus a second-round draft pick. Um, Winnipeg, I think it turns out to be a win-win for both. Uh, the Kings get a superstar. Uh, maybe superstar is a little too generous. They get a star center iceman who can score. You know, he joins Anzi Kopitar and Adrian Kempe, uh, and he joins two or three other goal scorers on a Kings roster. They are so deep down center ice. 
Winnipeg winds up getting Gabe Velarde. Young center Iceman was a former number one pick, scored 23 goals last year. Kids come back from two back surgeries. Uh, they get Alex Iofalo, real workmanlike two-way plays all 200 feet, offense, defense, forward. Uh, and they also get a young defenseman, and they wind up getting a second-round pick. So I think in a unique scenario, this is a win-win for both these trades. So we got that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's like the the Winnipeg trade when Gretzky came to the Kings, right? You know, so there's been deals between. Edmonton. Oh, that was Edmonton. Okay, my yeah. bad, my bad. Okay, but uh, you know, interesting to see the you know the Kings making some moves here. Um, you know, they they had a good year last year. I think we thought they were going to go a little deeper, but it's going to be nice when the Ducks kind of become more competitive. And there'll be two good programs here. Yeah, I think Rob Blake since the trade deadline. Because he was very active at the trade deadline when he got the goaltender, Junis Kapasalas, mm-hmm. and he also got a, a star defenseman out of Nashville. So what he's done from the trade deadline through today, pretty dugout impressive. Okay, let's move on to the next hockey topic on the table. Yeah, this is the draft board. And how do, how do you think some of these teams did in the draft? Well, they just completed the NHL draft. Chicago had the number one pick, and they got Connor Bedard, the young superstar, 18-year-old from Regina in the Western Hockey League. Kid scored 71 goals. He's going to be there on opening night against Sidney Crosby when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins. People, hockey fans are just going crazy. Chicago's made two or three other deals to get veteran players in the front door. So they've really, they were awful. They've been, you know, tanking to build towards this. And now suddenly there's a big rush in Chicago. Uh, they've sold out all their season tickets. It's just amazing what they think Blackhawk hockey can be. The Ducks were really the surprise story in the first round of the draft. They bypassed Adam Fantilli, the star from the University of Michigan, and instead took the European star, Leo Carlson, out of Sweden, 6'3", center iceman. Fantilli is a more accomplished guy, scored 30 goals last year as a freshman at Michigan. I think there's more upside for Carlson. I I think this is a win-win, regardless of which guy they got. But most people today have been very critical of the Ducks. Why would you bypass a guy that's going to play instantly and could probably score goals for you, the college kid, rather than take the Swede, who was only 18? Now, granted, the Swede, as an 18-year-old, played really well in the Swedish League, which is one of the top global leagues in the country, and a kid held his own. But they they took him because he's a two position guy who can score. He can skate. He's got he might have higher upside. I don't know if that's going to be a week from Monday or it's going to be two years <laughs> yeah. from Monday. But that that was really a surprise of the Blue Jackets. Columbus drafted third. They took Fantilli. They went crazy. Michigan guy coming to play in Columbus. Think about that. <laughs> but uh, he, yeah. uh, the kid's gifted. The kid, there's no doubt the kid can score. San Jose, which is in a massive rebuild, took the top kid uh, from the U.S. international team. His name is Will Smith. He's only 18. He's huge, like six two and a half. Very gifted, very fast, wide variety of shots. Uh, they got him. I don't know that he's anywhere near ready to play in the NHL. And then Montreal, out of the clue blue sky, went to Europe, and they, they took the best defenseman in Europe. His name is David Reinbacher, huge defenseman, offensive defenseman uh, from Switzerland. So that that's how it worked. NHL free agency begins on Saturday. There'll be more movement. We're still waiting. There's a lot of trades that are probably still out there uh, to be made, in, including 
uh, maybe the best defenseman in the NHL, the Norris Trophy winner, Eric Carlson of San Jose, who's asked to be traded and is going to be moved so he can go finish out his career with maybe a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup. So there's a lot more deals coming, but that's for the hockey fans out there. You just got your fix. Those are the stories. That's my opinion, your response. Well, you know, you look at Connor Bedard, and that he does, looks like he doesn't even shave yet. No. You know, I mean, just such a young kid. And you think of all the big, burly dudes in the NHL. When you know, these young guys come out, like at 18, um, there's there are rules that they can't play in the in the NHL right away. Don't no, they? they can if they make the team, but they can't play in the American Hockey League. They either go back to junior or they go back to college. Okay. Well, do you think like you know we see this with with college basketball players going to the NBA one and dones? Sometimes they're not fully developed. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, in terms of their their overall build, are these kids? You think they're developed enough to play at the highest level? No, because they're going to get banged and they're going to get busted and all that. But they'll have to learn as they go. But usually the kids that are the top three or five picks pretty much wind up on an NHL roster opening night. It's interesting you talk about it because I watched the uh, the TSN Canadian feed. I mean, they, they, they treat the NHL draft like it's a religious holiday. <laughs> and I've watched that feed and, you know, they're interviewing all these young players and and you look at the number one pick, Connor Bedard, and he looks like my kid, your kid in high school. Yeah. But Wayne Gretzky looked like that when Wayne Gretzky showed up. And Wayne Gretzky, when when he came out of the WHA, was only there for a short time and wound up in Edmonton. You saw his craftiness on the ice. You saw his peripheral vision. You saw, saw his shots. You saw his pinpoint passing. That's what you see from a couple of these top kids. The gift to move the puck, make the shot, lightning quick reaction time. So they've got an awful lot of talent, the talent level. Now, they're not physically developed yet, but, you know, you can't hit them if you can't catch them. That's a good point. These guys are really unique. So it'll be fun to see, you know, what these top three or four picks are going to be like come opening night. Do you like the Ducks pick, you you know, reaching for Carlson, or would you have preferred them take Fantilli? I would have taken the kid from Michigan because I think he's much more accomplished. He's played a lot more games, but... They scouted Carlson. They had all their scouts go to Sweden to watch him play at Orebro, which is one of the elite teams in that Swedish hockey league. And they just saw him dazzle against much older star players in Europe. So I, I they would not go wrong with either one. I think it would have taken Fantilli because I think he'll score more uh, than Carlson will right out of the gate. And we'll have to see if Carlson actually makes the opening night roster at age 18 or whether or not he goes back to Sweden for one more year. Hmm. Okay, okay, on we go. Okay, moving on. I mean, this is a, a tragic story here oh. with Jimmy Johnson. I mean, I saw this last night. Yeah, this this came out of nowhere. Jimmy Johnson has left the NASCAR circuit right now from his legacy club motorsports team. He's really struggled with the new team that has been built under the Richard Petty banner. He has left them for a period of time because of a tragedy on his the family on his wife's side. Terrible story in Oklahoma. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's mother-in-law called 911 from the farmhouse in Oklahoma and said there's a woman here with a gun, hung up, went out and killed her son, a teenager, went and killed the husband, and then committed suicide herself. They found the bodies by the time time the police got there. Uh, This is all on the wife's side. It's just devastating to the family, devastating to the team, and so he's gone back to Oklahoma with his wife. Um, he'll probably be out of racing for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's been a tough year for him. 
there was so much excitement of what he when he went into IndyCar racing and the learning curve was really steep. And I thought he did really well on super speedways. He really struggled with IndyCar racing on ovals. And then he just woke up one morning and said, I don't like it. And it's a terrible thing to say they didn't have courage. But I don't think he ever felt comfortable in the IndyCar because you go wheel to wheel at 180, 190. The accidents are, are so fast. There's not the protection mode that you get sitting in a cockpit of a NASCAR with roll, roll cages. I just, and I'm not going to use the word courage because I don't think that's fair. I just don't think Jimmy ever felt comfortable with that style of racing. So he's gone back to NASCAR and there was so much hoopla with him joining Richard Petty's team and forming Legacy Motor Club. Uh, it's just, it's been a struggle because you're starting from absolute ground zero. New car, new team, new crew chief, new construction packages. Uh, you know, you got to develop the car, you got to develop the engine, you got to develop the aerodynamics. So it's just been harder than I thought. But separate racing aside, I, when I first got a glimpse of what had happened in Oklahoma, my heart sank because he's such a good citizen. Yeah, I mean, he's got a huge fan base. But don't you just hate it when you see these uh, people that, you know, if you want to off yourself and do suicide, that's one thing. But don't take out innocent people with you. Well, mental illness and guns is a bad combination. Yeah, I mean, just a tragic story. So, um, you know, hearts and thoughts and prayers. I mean, how often do we need to say that? But hopefully, you know, Johnson can kind of, you know, get his family back on track. But, man, that's a tough one. Oh, I read that story. The, the, the knot in the pit of my stomach was... Unbelievable. Okay, let's talk about, uh, are you going to throw the ball in or you're going to corner kick it to me? We're talking soccer. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it in from the side <laughs> here. You know, we got like a lot of FIFA news here, Lee. Tell you what, this thing has exploded in pro soccer. It's the equivalent of baseball free agency, the equivalent of what happens first day of NFL free agency, NBA, hockey. It's called the transfer day. And that, that window has just opened in European soccer. And there are big names moving here, there, and everywhere for unbelievable amounts of money. And I think, holy cow, this guy's going there. How does he fit there? How are they going to fill that hole there? Some of the stuff that's going on with some of these teams is amazing. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur got a big issue. Uh, they got a problem with Harry Kane. Harry Kane has just been offered two years $72 million to go to Bayern Munich. Wow. Harry Kane is the sniper, the goal scorer for Hotspur. He's not accepted the offer, but I don't think Tottenham is going to pay him that kind of money. Interesting name. This guy was a star who left England to go to Spain. Eden Hazard, goal scorer, kind of like Harry Kane. Eden Hazard went to Spain, and it didn't work. And he just got released by Real Madrid, which is kind of a real surprise. He's probably coming back to the English Premier League. Now, granted, he's got a little bit of age on him. We've talked extensively about the young superstar, Mbappe from France, mm. leaving Paris Saint-Germain. His open talks, Real Madrid. The number? $200 million a year. Whoa. That's what they're talking about with Mbappe. Uh, D-Clan Rice, goal-scoring star, plays in the English Premier League for West Ham. He has just jumped to Arsenal, which has got a really good side. Arsenal, $133 million to sign D-Clan Rice from the rival West Ham team. They outbid Manchester City 
Arsenal did wow. to get him. Gunners, they got themselves a great player. Arsenal is also rated rival Chelsea. They've just signed uh, Kai Havertz. Interesting story. Ilke Gundogan, English Premier League veteran, Manchester City. He's left. He's gone to FC Barcelona. $90 million deal. And, of course, we've talked extensively about Saudi money, blood mm-hmm. money, <laughs> sports watching and right. all that. Benzema, leaving Real Madrid, real star. He's going to Saudi Arabia, $200 million per season. Wow. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Saudi money, this is kind of unique. Bayern Munich, great franchise in Germany, has just canceled their $109 million per year sponsorship with Qatar Airlines. Hmm. You know, on the on the kits, the jerseys, yeah. they have a corporate sponsor. Mm-hmm. Well, Qatar Air, $109 million a year. That's what they paid Bayern Munich to be the sponsor on the jersey. And Bayern Munich says, we are not going to accept Saudi or Qatar money. Interesting. Interesting story there. And last name, Tata Martino. Deposed head coach, Mexico, left that program a mess after he didn't even get to the final press conference after they got eliminated from the World Club. He got terminated. (laughs) He's coming to MLS. Hey, right on. Martino is going to coach Inter-Miami, David Beckham's team. He's going to coach Lionel Messi. Oh, good for him. He coached Messi when they were younger in Argentina. So, you like soccer? Now you know everything that's going on uh, before you go to the breakfast table tomorrow morning. Talk to your friends about Yeah, th- it's interesting, all the big money here. I mean, because remember we were talking about Messi was going to go to Saudi Arabia for like 200-something million a year. Yeah, 352 which was, million, I think, was the package. And he elected not to go to Saudi and not to go to Spain. He wound up in a very unique marketing deal, which is going to be worth mega, mega money mm-hmm. with Inter Milan or Inter Miami. Yes. So it's incredible. I mean, how this sport, even here in America, is just really blossoming. But can you explain to me the nature of the salary cap in pro soccer in Europe? Is it like a hard cap or is it a, you know, is, are there, you know, taxes on overpayment? How does that work? The correct phrase is the fair play rule. That's how the Europeans have, that's their salary cap, but it's a soft cap. The flair pay rule says, John, you can sign for $10 for me because you're a star. And if you work side marketing deals, that $10 might become $25. Hmm. And that's what these guys do is they'll go sign the base contract that Chelsea or Tottenham Hotspur will operate under so they can stay below the, the cap level. But they're sidebar marketing deals. John becomes the advertising voice for United Airlines. So mm-hmm. he gets money as part of a marketing deal there. So, so are the teams coordinating that? Maybe they oh, are. No, every, no, everybody's got their own own sidebar deals with corporate Europe companies. Yeah, but if there is if there is like kind of a collusion situation going there, then it allows these players to be paid a lot more and still get um, get them underneath the salary cap. So yeah. it's a game. I don't understand how the Saudi rules work, whether that's just a spending spree. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is no fair play rule in place in Saudi Arabia. But in all the others, in Spain, in Germany, in Italy, and obviously the elite English Premier League, the fair play rule controls the salary structure. But there's always a but. There's always an <laughs> asterisk. You can have side marketing deals, which makes for the rest of this big money going to the 
superstars. I mean, the, the numbers being thrown around are just just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, so good for these guys. I mean, they are they earn it. I mean, they're the top stars. So good for them. Damn, I should have been a soccer player rather than a talk show host. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to Fans Forum. John, real quickly, let the people know, watching us on live stream, how they can join us on Fans Forum. Also, how they can subscribe so they'll get be able to get all the data of all the things we're doing. Okay, yeah, you can get involved. We're just about to get started. I see Mark and Carlos and John and Force Ghost Fabio that are already loaded up in the Fans Forum. We'll get you involved. If you got a question or a hot take for, for Hacksaw, just type it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved. Okay. Reminder, in addition, subscribe to what we're doing. If you can, give us a thumbs up. If you can, you want to rate us, give us five stars. I got no friends now. He's got no friends now. We could use five-star rating as we go. And congratulations to you because we pushed this thing beyond 2,000 subscribers. We'd hoped to do it by July 4th. We did it a week early. Can we get to 2,500? That's the next goal. John, start with questions. Okay, so let's start with Mark here. And uh, he says, instead of moaning, woe is me, I'd like to see the leaders in the Padres dugout get mad. Let's see Manny break a few bats over the Gatorade coolers. Show us you guys care. It's tough to gauge. Do they care? But I'll agree with you, Mark. There's no fire in there. I see no fire uh, in the dugout. I Outside of Bob Melvin getting ejected from games, he's been tossed three times in the last 10 games. I just don't see anybody angry. And you can make all the clubhouse statements you want about pride and uh, we'll find our fight and all that. But it's not happening on the field right now. So they've, they've just they've got a chemistry problem. I don't know how deep the fissure is between players manager or manager front <laughs> office. But I know this, this general manager is MIA, and he needs to be front and center because he caused this. He created it, and now it's not done well. There's some responsibility I think A.J. Preller has at his front door. Well, you even made the comment. You're talking to scouts out there. They're seeing Tatis and the other guys kind of joking around in the dugout. As well, they get their ass kicked at Dodger Stadium. Exactly. So, again, it goes back to this is goes to leadership. Um, so... You know, it, it it makes you wonder, it, it has Melvin lost the team? Because you, that's where you really need that steady hand. You need fire. You know, and, and if you're struggling, you need to do something to change what's going on on that field. Uh, you know, become more aggressive at the plate. Do more creative things offensively to put the ball in play, get guys on the bases. Shake up or change the lineup and find the right chemistry in the lineup that allows other guys to get better looks at pitches because they fear the guy behind them. Yeah. So we haven't seen very much of that at all. On we go. Next question. Okay. I mean, just a lot of really angry Padre fans here. This is Carlos. He goes, Hacksaw, this team is underperforming. Melvin is being blamed for what he's been given to him. Preller put this together to win and the players aren't doing what they're being paid to do. Firing Melvin isn't going to change the team. It's still the same players. Do you fire Preller? That That's the next question that has to come front and center as this thing, and the correct word, is underachieves. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's just mind-boggling how this isn't working, you know? And we were so ecstatic to start the year. I mean, remember Padre Fan Fest? It was a zoo. There were so many people there. And now, I bet you those people that bought season tickets might be regretting it. They won't be buying season tickets next year if this thing bottoms out. I mean, this thing is not good. And like I said early on in this podcast, they've really painted themselves into a corner because they can't trade these guys. Not the guys that could bring them something big in return because nobody wants to take on those contracts outside of a deal for Soto. 
And how do you help yourself if you're trade soda? Yeah, I mean, you, there's really nowhere for them to go. Um, they've they've painted themselves into a corner. It's terrible. On we go. Another question, another comment. Okay, from John Hopkins. He says, today was a heartbreaker. This Padre team is wondering what the heck is going to happen next. They appear to have given up. Well, there's no, there's, there's no pizzazz to anything that's going on. I mean, outside of a couple of home field wins when they beat Tampa and when everybody wore the sombreros in Mexico City, this team hasn't done anything. Have they? No, not really. No. I mean, we've been saying they're turning the corner. We've been saying that for weeks, months, and they yet to turn the corner. Uh, and now they're going in to play first place Cincinnati, which is playing above its head and yeah. feeling really good about itself. And all their young kids are just wired. Um, with the you know, and you can win an odd game, but I'm sorry, it doesn't mean crap if you give it back the next two days after you win the odd game. Yeah, and then getting getting swept by Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, what the heck, you know? I mean, so this is just a disgrace. This whole situation. I mean, I've gone from being completely angry to almost throwing my hands up in the air and giving up on this team. You are the one that texted me and said, when does NFL training camp start? Yeah, exactly. It's right around the corner. <laughs> Thanks, John, for joining us. Next question. Okay, here's uh, Force Coast Gabio, uh, he, Fabio, and he says, Aztecs uh, basketball sign a 6'11 big man, Magoo Guaf. Dutch is killing the offseason recruiting. Well, Force Man, let me just give you a response here. This is a developmental player. This young man has had just one half of a good season playing at a lower level at six foot eleven in high school or prep school, if you will. I would assume he probably redshirts this year. I mean, he's really a developmental player. He's only 190 pounds at most. So, there, you know, but you put him on a weight training program, you let him practice and grow, and then you will see the end result maybe in year two or year three. I think the biggest thing that really worries me is they've been shut out of the transfer portal for the most part. They got a, you know, they got one transfer. Uh, the kid from USC. Well, they got yeah. They I'm sorry, they got the guard. They've been shut out in terms of getting bigs. Mm -hmm. They don't have the NIL money to match what other people are offering other big guys. They've lost out on every big that they thought they had a shot at in the transfer portal. It's a really big issue, and that's why they've done. Very, very little. Now, they got a lot of young guys in the cupboard. There's no doubt that there's there's recruits there. And they've added the transfer from USC. And they've added a couple of other young freshmen. But they are raw. They are really young. And I would not expect them to play. So uh, the transfer portal has not been what we hoped it would be because they just don't have enough money in the bank to be able to compete with what a Pac-12 team offers yeah. or what's being offered in the Southeast Conference or by these guys snaring guys into the Big 12. Well, I think the the young kid, Elijah Saunders, might be a pretty good pickup. Yep. He's a big body. Um, but then the other one, is his name Demarche Johnson? Yes. I think it is. And you never really see him much. You kind of question what his situation is. And then you have Ladee, but Ladee doesn't want to play the five anymore. So... Who else is left, you know? Not I mean, much. And they'll, they'll just have to bring these young guys along. I mean, they granted, they do have veterans that will come back. I mean, Ladee is the monster big man here. And 
you know, he's a prime example of what, what the program's like. You bring him in, he came as a transfer from TCU, and he sat and he practiced every minute of every day, got his butt kicked, but stayed in the weight program, the training program, the nutrition program, and Ladie has turned into a legitimate, I would think, NBA first-rounder who elected to come back one more year. Well, that's the prime example of how good Dutcher's program is, that they will take the 6'11 freshman and probably redshirt him, and they will build him. And if they can wind up like Ladie wound up, like Mensa wound up, because they were all the same type of kids when they got her, that's a real positive. We move on. Next question, fans Mo- form. Yeah, moving on. And uh, uh, Dave E.K. says, uh, Otani for Soto and Hader, yes or no? Well, I, that's that's a huge question. I mean, who do you value more in Anaheim? Do you value Otani or do you value Soto? Price tag is going to be the same, uh, but you couldn't afford both of them. Uh, and I don't think the Padres would do that. Of course, there's no guarantee Otani would stay here. You know, Otani can still be a walk-free agent on November 1. Uh, I'm sorry, just circle back to what I proposed, because <laughs> that gives you the answer. Yeah. If, if Otani wishes to stay where he is beloved in a very comfortable situation out of the mega glare of the spotlight— if it's $50 million a year, you sign it and you stay, and then you let the club continue to build around you. Mm-hmm. If he says no, if the agent says we're putting him on the market November 1, then you think about, okay, we'll trade him. And if I can get a five-for-one to somebody else that thinks they can sign Otani, I mean, I'm I'm calling area code 213, Dodger Stadium. No I'm, doubt. I'm sorry I'm dealing with the enemy that you hate. But they got a great farm system. Might be as good a farm system as anybody in baseball. You just send me all those pitchers from Oklahoma City. Maybe you send me that center fielder and somebody else. And then we'll let Otani go be a Dodger if he wishes to be a Dodger. But th- to me, it's the best way to do it. Because I don't think you want to let him get on the open market November 1. Because yeah. anything crazy could happen. Yeah, and you also don't want to paint yourself into a corner approaching that trade deadline, thinking that he's going to be a long-term guy, and then he turns out he's not. So they, they need to know now. If the price is 50, the price is 50. Whether it's 50 now, going to July 4th weekend, mm-hmm. or it's $50 million per year, August 1st of the trade deadline, make the offer now and see what the response is so you can gauge what you have to do next. Exactly. Tough call. Tough call. Next question. Okay, next one here. This is from Jay Nur. He says, Lee is one of the greatest ever. Truly my honor to have Lee back on the airwaves with all the crap in sports so-called <laughs> journalism. It's truly a pleasure to hear real sports talk. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. You're right. I am bleeping brilliant. Here's the question, John. I guess we should put this topic on the table for debate from the fans. If we did a podcast every day, Monday through Friday, do you think we could survive each other without hating each other by the time we're done? Do you think the fans would respond to it positively? Or am I just thinking way too far outside the box? I'm, I mean, do you have time? You don't, you don't sleep at night. Your wife is getting on your case for spending so much time doing your writing and everything else. Um, but, you know, the day of podcasts... You know, sometimes they go daily, you know. We'd have to find a fixed position for it. I've got friends in Canada uh, who lost their job when Sports Talk Radio went under across Canada. Uh, Guys out of Winnipeg, they do an hour and a half every day. Wow. Now, it's a lot of work, but they are making money at it. I don't know. Somebody out there on Fans Forum, do you think we could execute this? We have to get the right start time. You know, we normally, we try to do our podcast at 3 p.m. on Mondays, the bonus package, and then on Thursday. We have to find the right time to do a podcast. I don't know if it would be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 
12 noon high or about, I don't know, just just a, oh, off the top of my head. Well, what was the drive time radio then when you were on the air back in the day? Well, I, it, it started out at four. I think it was four to eight. And then we wound up flipping it, I think, to three to seven mm-hmm. and best 15 minutes in radio and all that stuff. But that was a different, different era right now. I don't know. Just a random thought. Would you like Hacksaw as your best friend one hour a day, every day of the week, Monday through Friday? <laughs> Go ahead. Just send me an email through my website. Tell me whether you buy that or not. John, next question. Okay, this is from Charlie Long. He says, hey, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, how come local media, AJ Casavell, Annie Heilbrand, Kevin AC, and everyone on 760 San Diego Sports 98.7 doesn't call out AJ Preller and demand answers from Preller and Peter Seidler? I'd be screaming. And I, you know, I don't care if that's on my flagship station or not. What we're experiencing right now is not acceptable. I need an explanation. I want you to respond as to why this team that you spent all this money on and all these contracts you gave out does not seem to work. I think you owe that not just to the media. I think you owe it to the fans of your A.J. Preller. And this is coming from somebody that likes A.J. and has been friends with him for a chunk of years. But, hey, you are responsible for what you've put on the field and what you've given uh, to all those players. We need an explanation as to where you are as it relates to what you're seeing. This can't be acceptable at Petco Park, is it? No, it's not acceptable. But, you know, the, we've we've commented how the, the media here in San Diego isn't real tough. You know, it's not like the New York or the Philly media. It's a different animal here in San Diego. But, yeah, we need to be holding these, these guys to the feet to the fire. Accountability is the word we're looking for in response. Yeah, Next just question. A, a couple of just a quick responses. But you put that question out if we would do it um, daily. John Hopkins says, I'd watch you every day. You know, uh, Charlie Long says, create a <laughs> poll. You'll get your answer. Yes, yes, yes. Good idea. Jay Nurse says, instead of podcast daily, maybe consider Instagram live, you know? So, and then here, uh, Dave E.K. says, I'd be a Patreon subscriber if there was a one hour per day. That's where people make donations uh, to podcasters and other kinds of artists. Uh, Force Ghost says, one hour hacksaw headlines. Woohoo. I mean, it's, people want it out there, man, you know? So, oh, I opened a can of worms. I think you might have. So. What was it, Kevin Costner's favorite phrase to Nukalush in, in um, the movie? Oh, Durham. Uh, don't think you hurt the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have thought about this topic on the table. Okay, meat. All right. Let's look, get a couple of social media comments in here. Let's see what we got. And this is from Matthew Cabell talking about the NHL draft. He says, Fantilli has more upside and is a better fit organizationally for the Ducks. Big, skilled, fast, physical center, all the attributes that Verbeek covets deeply. Also offers more goal scoring than Carlson and the Ducks need finishers to complement great playmakers like Zagras, Terry, and McTavish. I buy most of what you say there, although I think there's a feeling within the the Ducks infrastructure, because they scouted him all year in Sweden. They feel maybe there's more athletic upside. Fantilli's good, but this is what you're always going to have with Fantilli. They think there's something even greater with Carlson. I think it was a win-win regardless of which guy they drafted. I, if it were me, if I were king... I do you think I'd like living in Anaheim? If I were king, 
I would have taken Fantilli because I think there's more uh, instant offense with him starting opening night this year. Carlson might be a little bit down the road, but there's bigger upside to Carlson. Well, the, the Ducks have got all of this talent coming up, right? Yep. So do you, if, if, let's just pretend that they took Fantilli. Do you think Fantilli would have been a step ahead of a lot of this young talent already in the system? Um, or would Fantilli maybe be a bench guy for this first year? No, oh, no, he'd play. If, if it were Fantilli, he would play. Now, if Carlson winds up going back to Sweden, or I don't think he's coming to the San Diego Gulls based on the Zoom call I was on with the general manager. If they're sending him back to Sweden, that means he's not quite ready. And if he's not quite ready, should you have not taken Fantilli to put a better product on the ice this year with Trevor Zegras and Mason McTavish and Jamie Drysdale and the young goaltender Lucas Dostal and, and the goalie John Court Gibson? Interesting to see where this goes. I would have taken the Michigan center rather than the Swedish winger, but I don't I don't think either one of them is a bad pick. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. Social media comment from Jukes, uh, Jukebox. They're talking about Bob Melvin. He says, people keep saying Bob Melvin isn't the problem, but that doesn't mean he's part of the solution. I think it's fair to ask his personality. Is it a fit for the group? His most recent job was the A's, and that's an organization that frequently focuses on developing young players. This is a veteran group. He has big egos, and that's the most important job here, managing the egos. I'm not convinced he's the best guy for that job. Have they stopped listening to him? I think that's really the, the summary question about Melvin. Are there a bunch of independent contractors rather than quality team players there? Would it be different if you had a hard ass in there as their manager of Firebrand? Interesting. Or have they just stopped listening? That's the thing that really bothers me is I got paid. You get paid. That just seems it's in the back of my mind. It's there all the time because I've been in that clubhouse dealing with some of these guys. And I was in that clubhouse when the other group came through here, the Kemps and the Uptons of the world. And we saw that turned out to be a disaster. The point Ron Fowler, the owner at that point, just had a mental meltdown called out everybody. <laughs> well, you remember he called out James Shields yeah. and then we dealt him when we got Tatis. So who knows what the future holds? Uh, here's another comment here uh, about San Diego State basketball in the Mountain West. And this is from um, a very long handle, I can't say. Um, I'm all about San Diego State. However, I have read the letter that De La Torre sent to the Mountain West commissioner. And in the first paragraph, it specifically and clearly states that San Diego State is exiting the Mountain West. De La Torre backtracking and trying to correct what is said in that letter is clearly not proper. Should have never written the letter using the language she did. How stupid are those people? You have now created this furor with the Mountain West Conference. But conversely, how stupid are the people in Colorado Springs? You're treating your flagship university, which has been really good to this conference. Why would you do that? Step back away from this thing. There, it is not life or death. The June 30th has to be the date. Mm -hmm. Let them play this coming season. Put into effect the June 30th date next year. We know what the exit fee will be, $17 million. Go earn more money vis-a-vis -vis San Diego State, either football or probably definitely basketball. And if they appear to want to move next June 30th, just let them go and etc. Why create this war zone now between the Mountain West, San Diego State? And why would San Diego State's president write a letter with, quote, all that language? You could have written a letter that said, we are trying to configure if we have an offer, whether it would be to our benefit to move. Would you have the ability to give us an extension so we can continue to have dialogue as to what the future holds? Would you consider 
allowing us to pay the $17 million exit fee in installments. You didn't have to mention intent. You didn't have to mention that you're going to terminate your member. Why would you put that stuff in a letter? All you're looking to do is gather more information. Would you help us? Would you be willing to do this? The extension, the installments. Maybe I should, instead of doing this, I should work at San Diego State. <laughs> Maybe we make you the new AD or the president of the university. Jeez. Some people are saying this is like 40, te- 40 chess, uh, that if if the um, offer from the Pac-12 or the Big 12 does not come, then the Aztecs to say, hey, we didn't, we didn't say we were withdrawing. But the, if the offer does come, like in July, they can say, oh, yeah, we already announced our resignation in June and we don't have to pay the extra money. Even if it comes in July, the... That could mean next year in 2024 is when you send the letter of resignation. But that has to come from the conference. It'll allow you to exit for 17 mil rather than penalize you 34 mil. I just think this thing has been mishandled from San Diego's perspective, from the perspective of Colorado State. Yeah, I'm just in Colorado Springs. But they're they're professionals. It's It's amazing that they would let it play out like this. You would think these would be private conversations that are going on, you know, behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of this whole fiasco, they released the four letters to the athletic website in New York. Did not have yet to release them to any of the working media here in this community. Really? Why would you treat your local media like that? When your local media has been pretty doggone supportive through yeah, for sure. thick and thin, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Smart people, huh? Yeah. I don't think so. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our extended Thursday podcast. We're here every Thursday. We have bonus coverage on Monday. We're going to do some kind of unique and different things July 4th week. So make sure that you are with us come Monday and then obviously uh, next Thursday. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. If you got any solutions to the Padres, I'll give you A.J. Preller's private email. You can send it his direction. <laughs> hey, thanks for being with us. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks for being part of Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.